I want you to start testing ASAP. Caesar continues to show skills that far exceed that of a human counterpart. You mean increased intelligence? This is wrong, Will. Hello and welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi, your weekly geek fest and Star Trek and sci-fi podcast. And that was a just a quick little brief uh, TV uh, spot for the new movie that just came out on Friday, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which is, is getting some good reviews and good word of mouth and looking forward to seeing it. I, I'm kind of debating today after the, I get this uh, podcast recorded whether I'll go see that or Cowboys and Aliens, which I still haven't caught yet, but one or the other probably later today I'll go see. But today is uh, August the 7th, 2011 or 2011 or just 11, however you'd like to say it. And this is podcast 343. The main topic for today's show, though, not apes or monkeys or orangutans or... Or, oh, when it, you know, when I say that, I think of the Monty Python and Julio writing tangs, breakfast cereals, la la, and, and the geeks out there who know the Holy Grail will understand that reference. <laughs> but today we're going to be talking about a TOS, an original, the original series of Trek, uh, Star Trek, just called Star Trek, no subtitle. It is the episode from season two called Obsession, which has, and again, always think I say these things at the same time, especially when it comes to original Trek. This is a really good episode, and it's something that I've enjoyed a lot over the years. Actually, I had to really look thoroughly back through my records. I, I could have sworn I probably would have covered this one by now, but not. And But we are today, and I'm just going to do some clips because we've got a lot of stuff to cover. I wasn't here last week for the podcast. Darmok said, and of course, uh, Phil did a great job with that surprising and very touching and very special uh, Rico Appreciation Day cast with everyone sending in their, their comments and, and things about the podcast and how it's affected them in different ways. And you guys, I just have to say thanks so much for doing that. It was uh, very nice to listen to, made my week, and uh, you guys are great. So thanks so much for that, and Darmok especially for pulling all that together. And I think he's got a little audio clip he sent in about that too. So uh, that will be on the show, a lot of other things and clips and commentary about the the uh, uh, TOS episode obsession. So without any further ado, let's uh, get rolling here.
All right. Uh, so what's been going on here for me? Uh, one thing I wanted to mention at first, uh, because I don't, I don't think anyone's really going to notice it. There may be a slight notice in, in slightly different audio this week on the show. Uh, the last couple of days, probably it started about middle towards end of last week. Uh, maybe it was about Thursday. Anyway, I had some computer troubles. It appears that what happened is my primary hard drive uh, failed on me, which was unfortunate. I thought it was just Windows kind of had gotten messed up. I was still actually using Vista uh, for the last couple of years. Never got around to updating or, or putting on Windows 7. Long story short, uh, it looks like it was the hard drive uh, on my main computer, so I'm having to re-put everything onto a new drive and update and change everything over and all that, which, uh, I, I, you know, it was weird because I, usually you get signals or signs on computers when drives fail, but this just sort of came out of the blue. It had been working like a top so uh, so I've been scrambling the last couple of days getting things back in order. I've still got to put a lot of stuff back on, but it seems to be uh, pretty stable, pretty good, everything right now. Uh, bought a new uh, Seagate hard drive. The old one that failed was Western Digital. I'm hoping to still get a replacement drive for that from them because they, those things usually have a very long warranty. And I, I've really, I think I've only had maybe two hard drives over all the years I've done computer stuff, which is, I guess, about 20 years maybe now. I think I got my first machine back around 19, probably about the early 90s, 91 or so. I think it was right around the time my uh, uh, second son was born. But anyway, uh, it seems everything seems okay. But I, I'm using the the latest uh, beta version of Audacity now. Uh, a few things different with the way the sound is set up in Windows 7 and so forth. And it's also one of the reasons I decided to cut cut capture. <laughs> yeah, I'm joking. Help. Uh, that the obsession cloud monsters got me for people who know that episode uh, you guys know what I'm talking about <coughs> uh, need Spock blood all right you'll know that soon too but uh, it is uh, everything's working pretty good now I think I hope uh, one of the little glitches or things that even delayed me further was since I didn't wasn't sure the drive was bad I, I just decided to, to clean it wipe it and, and put windows on the old drive that was failing and then i found out yesterday well that still uh had troubles so <laughs> i should have just bit the bullet and and realized the drive was messed up or checked it a little more thoroughly before i bothered to because i kind of had it all back and going spent a few hours friday night and saturday getting that all and then found out like yesterday afternoon well no i really need a new drive i was kind of avoiding having to buy one and running over to best buy and picking it up but okay so this isn't uh, treks in tech, although we do talk a lot about a tech on this show, iPads and and uh, iPods and, and, and gadgets and, and things like that, and certainly talk about them over in the treks and sci-fi forums a lot. Um, but uh, technically everything is good. Oh, then and to just one last thing to add to the uh, little technical glitches I was having yesterday, our internet kind of died and went out on us here for a short time at first uh, well at some point i thought yeah, our, our router was messed up uh because uh, we called up comcast they reset their uh, the cable modem that we have uh which i bought a few months ago to save that seven bucks a month from comcast but then it still wasn't working right and, and again i i really was wondering how come all my hardware is failing we haven't had any storms really here or any kind of power surges or anything weird and I've got things, the main things, devices through a, a, a very big surge slash battery backup. But uh, so we couldn't get this going. So when I was going to the Best Buy anyway to get the hard drive, I bought up a, a new um, router, a new pretty pretty 
high level Cisco Linksys. I think Cisco bought Linksys router. And on my drive home, my son calls me and said, Oh no, we had a wire. We had plugged a wire back in in the wrong spot and blah, blah, blah. And again, long story short, everything was working. So I've got to return the router that I didn't open that I bought yesterday. So um, that's what I've been doing the last few days. I even talk, took a, a rare day off of work uh, on Friday. And it seems to, that it happens like this a lot for me. I take a day off work and then something unforeseen happens, which basically negates all my, you know, my one extra day of time off uh, because I've got to fix something. It, it, it's weird how that works. So I guess it's better than having a, a two-day weekend and having everything break and having to work and fix it. But still, it's a little. Uh, I'm getting a little bit of a paranoia about that. But anyway, uh, let's get on with the regular part of the show. I'm going to first play, I think, I'm going to play Darmok's little uh, message that he sent in. And again, I, I want to say thanks so much for doing that special uh, Rico Appreciation Day show. Uh, last week, Darmok, Phil, Phil Darmok. Uh, Phil, you're great. Thanks very much. And here's his comment uh, uh, about that. Hey everybody, this is Darmok, and I'd just like to start off by saying that, yes, I do know that Gene Roddenberry was the great bird of the galaxy. Anyway, I'd just like to thank everyone who participated in last week's Rico Appreciation Day. Um, it was wonderful to uh, see such an outpouring of, of just support and encouragement, and I learned a lot uh, more about the... Um, a lot more about this wonderful community and uh, it's just going to keep me coming back and uh, just for all you lurkers out there um, I know you're out there because I'm one of you and uh, you know it might be cool to uh, just kind of come out from hiding every once in a while and uh, to show your appreciation and I'd like to particularly thank Rick Moyer uh, for his help in, in getting the word out and for his general enthusiasm for the project, and also just for letting me bounce ideas off of him. Um, I particularly uh, appreciated also um, the musical pieces that, uh, that you uh, provided for, um, for the first uh, inaugural uh, Rico Appreciation Day. Um, you're definitely uh, one of the shining lights here, and uh, one of the reasons uh, I come back listening uh, to Treks in Sci-Fi and uh, hanging out in the forums. All you guys, you, you showed up and um, you showed up and you stood up and, and it was really cool and I'm really proud of you. Anyway, um, looks like uh, this week is uh, the TOS uh, episode Obsession, a classic red shirt episode. You'll find that every red corpuscle is gone from their body. And what's interesting about that is that, uh, you know, all the red corpuscles are gone from their body, but uh, they still have those 1960s RCA red shirts, bright as anything. Anyway, um, thanks so much, Rico, once again, for uh, bringing us Treks in Sci-Fi faithfully every week, and uh, just thank you for the love that you, you pour into it. And uh, thank you, everyone who participates in, in helping out. It's, uh, it's just great to, uh, to be able to have this to, uh, to listen to every week. 
and I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to uh, the upcoming Treks in Sci-Fi. Forbidden Planet, I got, uh, I got the Netflix DVD here, I just need to take a look at it. And uh, The Last Starfighter, uh, another one of my uh, favorite uh, sci-fi movies. And then, of course, there's the sixth anniversary show coming up. Yeah, baby! Yeah, baby! I'm definitely uh, looking forward to seeing what uh, what you have uh, in store for, for that, Rico. And uh, also what uh, folks in the community uh, have, have in store for that. But anyway, um, oh, one last thing about Obsession. I was, <laughs> I was watching Obsession tonight, and uh, my daughter says, uh, he, she looks at William Shatner as Kirk and says, um, he looks different. I said, well, he's younger. He's a lot younger because she's used to seeing him on commercials in uh, Boston Legal. And then as she walks out of the room, she said, yeah, that is a toupee. Yeah, thanks so much for that, Darmok. Uh, yeah, and uh, you, you are uh, absolutely right. Yeah, William Shatner definitely didn't have a whole lot of hair back then even. Uh, so, uh but, you know, it never really bugged me. There's a lot of people that make and talk about that. And I, I guess I, I, I got so used to the way his hair and, you know, w- you know, looked as Kirk and all that. And, and he's changed it, of course, a lot over the years. But uh, anyway, uh, that's about uh, it for that part. And, and again, thanks for doing that show last week. I really appreciate that. And uh, I think what I'm going to do next here, I've got lots of clips, it seems like, to, to play for you guys. But I'm going to slide in now. We've got a um, review of the movie uh, uh, from, uh, I think Will is, this is from Will Eagle. Uh, he went to see Cowboys and Aliens with Harrison Ford and Daniel Craig, Olivia Wilde. And he has some comments to say about that movie. And I will be back shortly after his review of Cowboys and Aliens. I keep wanting to say Cowboys and Indians, but... (laughs) Hello, everybody. This is Will, and I have a movie review on the movie Cowboys and Aliens. Cowboys and Aliens was released by Universal and DreamWorks Pictures. This film was directed by Jon Favreau and written by various writers, including Robert Orkey and Alex Kurtzman, who we know as the Star Trek writers. Cowboys and Aliens cost $163 million to make. And the movie has a great cast. It stars Daniel Craig, Harrison Ford, Olivia Wilde, Noah Ringer, Adam Beach, Keith Carradine, and Sam Rockwell. Cowboys and Aliens is based on the graphic novel by Scott Mitchell Rosenberg. It takes place in Arizona in the year 1873, and it has that old western feel to it. I think the story takes time to get going, but it does build to a great finale. I am a big Harrison Ford fan, and of course, he does a great job as a former colonel from the Civil War. Daniel Craig and Olivia Wilde also do a good job, but one of my favorite characters in the movie is John Taggart, played by the young actor Noah Ringer. I really enjoyed his performance. With this movie taking place in the Old West, the scenery is really spectacular. John Favreau filmed from some great locations. One of my favorite was when they are going into a canyon. Just really awesome. Now getting to the sci-fi part. The reason the aliens are here is very unique from other movies I've seen. And the look of the aliens is very well done with similarities to other aliens you may have seen before. One part in particular will remind you of a part from a very good Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I'll check the post on the forums to see if anybody else figures out what I mean. 
The alien ship scenes are a little dark, but still pretty cool. And the hero who saves the day, I didn't expect. Nice little twist. This is a movie we're seeing at the theater, if for only the great shots out west. They're really nice on that big screen. Cowboys and Aliens is not my favorite of the summer, but I did enjoy it, and I give it a 7 out of 10. A good movie for most ages, but I wouldn't take small kids because of the violence, even though most of it is against the aliens. And as always, thanks everybody. And thanks to Rico for doing these great podcasts. Enjoy talking to everybody on the forums, and enjoy the movies. Well, thanks, Will, for your review of that movie. I, um... Uh, trying to decide today, I think I said earlier that uh, tried to decide to go see Rise of the Planet of the Apes or Cowboys and Aliens. Uh, I'm not sure which really right now. I want to see both of them in the theaters, but uh, it's uh, the Apes movie is sort of for some reason pulling me a little bit harder than the other. Uh, I do want to see them though, uh, and I, I'm sure I'll see both of them soon. And uh, thanks so much for your, your review of uh, that film. I don't seem to be able to speak very clearly today. <laughs> I think I'm a little tired. It's been a tiring few days uh, here working on the computers, and I did some stuff outside, and, and just it's uh, it's been uh, pretty crazy, pretty busy. So I'm going to take even another break here because you guys are kind of running today's show a lot. You've got a lot of stuff you sent in, and, and again, I always, I always like that, so I can't talk still. I'm going to do my, I don't know if that's Southern or if it's my old Rico, Grandpa Rico voice. You kids, get off my lawn. What are you doing? Give me my phasers back. What? A, oh, my gosh. You're shooting the dog. Oh. All right. Anyway, enough about that. <laughs> All right. Next up, uh, the clip that I want to play for you. This one's not even really a clip. It's more uh, it's more lengthy than that, but I, I, I greatly uh, appreciated it and had asked him to do this for us. I'm going to have to bust it up into two parts, though. It's pretty long. Uh, Kenny from California, who went to Comic-Con in San Diego, just I think that was about two weekends back now. Anyway, he sent in a two-part uh, Comic-Con report about uh, what uh, went on there, what he saw and did, and all that kind of good stuff. I'm going to play uh, the first part of that uh, today on the show, on this week's podcast, and I think I'm going to probably have to save the second part till uh, until next weekend uh, uh, for the podcast next weekend. So anyway, here is part one of Kenny's Comic-Con Report 2011. Hey, Rico and Trucks and Sci-Fi fans. This is Kenny from California. I'm the host of Knights of the Guild podcast, the MASH 4077 podcast, Confessions of a Fanboy, and Epic Geek Out. Just wanted to send in some quick comments about San Diego Comic-Con. I seem to be the resident uh, uh, San Diego Comic-Con goer, and Rico asked for some comments. So uh, these are going to be quick. Um... I did go Wednesday to Sunday, so I did preview night, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday the entire days. Uh, overall, it was a great experience. It was a lot of fun. You know, every year after it's over, I always swear I'm not going back again next year. I'm going to take off. But, you know, two weeks down the road, I start getting excited again. I blog about it. I talk about it more. I look at the pictures, and I can't wait to go back next year. So, again, that happened this year. But um, it was a lot of fun. Didn't do many panels, as uh, you had heard from my previous reports last year and, and probably the year before that. Um, I'm not a big panel goer just for the fact that I'm unwilling to sit, uh, stand in line for two to three, four, sometimes you know, seven, eight hours 
to get into a panel. Lots of people are now like going into panels two or three panels before their panel just so they can guarantee to get in. Then they sit through two panels they don't want to be in just to see the one that they want. And I am just not willing to do that do that anymore. Comic-Con to me has become just a, a place to meet my friends. Um, lots of my friends from all over the world. I got to meet friends from Norway, from Sweden, from Brazil, um, England. Um, God, they've been, they're all over. And then plus all over the United States. Uh, everybody comes to this one location. And that's, that's more enjoyable than the actual event. The events are fun. The panels are fun. I love walking around the floors. And seeing all the cool geeky items you can buy. But hanging out with friends for four or five days, that to me is what Comic-Con has become. For Wednesday, it was preview night. Um, I I am associated with the guild, but I didn't do much guild work this time around. I I tried to separate myself out because I did want to enjoy the con more. Uh, Last year, I had worked for the guild booth. And, you know, that takes big chunks of time and... It's a lot of work, and I wanted to opt out this year, so they didn't really need my help because they got quite a few volunteers, which was great. So I had more time to myself just to enjoy the con. And, you know, this this year's this con seemed a little bit smaller. Uh, a lot of the movie studios weren't doing big, big promotional things, but it was still packed. It was still had some awesome things going, you know. And also this year... Uh, something different, I decided I was going to dress up. So that was a whole other experience, which I'll get to. But uh, Wednesday was preview night, so that was just three hours, and I pretty much just hung out with friends, and we walked around the floor a little bit. And that basically was it. You know, not really a lot going on. Uh, Thursday was the big day. I went in Thursday. I had planned to... There were several panels I, I wanted to see on Thursday, and... I was determined to get in. Uh, one of them uh, was Dragon Age, which is uh, Dragon Age Redemption, uh, which is Felicia Day's new web series. And I got up super early. By the time I got to the convention center, there was already a line out the door around. I mean, I guess people had been lining up for hours prior to that. And what's funny is The Hobbit, the OneRing.net, had a panel right before that. So people were lining up for Dragon Age just, you know, they weren't even lining up for The Hobbit, which is kind of sad because people who wanted to get into The Hobbit panel couldn't get in because Dragon Age people were there sitting through that panel to get to their Dragon Age panel. So the system is kind of broken at the moment, but um, it's what you have to do to get into panels that you want to see. So that's what I did. I got in. Luckily, I had some friends in line who uh, held a space for me, so I jumped in line with them. Uh, got into the, the the Hobbit panel. That was a lot of fun. It was a fan-run panel, so there were no stars, no nothing. They just kind of went over all the information that they've learned so far about the Hobbit. And that was really, really interesting stuff and very cool. And they showed all the pictures of the dwarves, and um, that was fun. And then there was the Dragon Age panel, which is the one I wanted to really see. That included Felicia Day and Doug Jones and then several of the producers and um, the game creators themselves, and that was that was enjoyable. Uh, they showed the trailer, which was awesome. I had seen it previously. Uh, one of the producers, Kimmy V, actually, I was over at her house, and she kind of showed it to me and said, "Oh, this is what we're show, you know, showing at Comic Con this year." So I'd seen it there. I actually saw an extended version on her laptop, which was pretty epic, and I'm really looking forward to 
this new web series. Um, it's going to be coming out in the fall. So really looking forward to that. It was a fun panel. Felicia Day is always great. She's very well spoken. You know, even though she's a friend of mine, I still kind of get starstruck. And it's kind of cool to watch her do her thing. And she's she's very quick. And she, she can keep an audience captivated, which is always nice. So um, after that panel, I hooked up with a few more friends. Walked around, did some, uh, you know, just some sh- pre-shopping because you didn't want to buy anything yet. You want to wait towards the end when they're when they're slashing prices because they don't want to take anything home with them, so they're willing to will and deal. So I was just making mental notes of things I wanted to buy. Checked out booths, um, you know. Like I said, there there weren't a lot. Star Wars always does it big, and so they had like Connect Station, so people can play Connect, uh, the the new Star Wars game, and that was pretty fun. They had the whole Blu-ray things set up where you can go in and watch clips of the DVD of the Blu-ray DVDs and there was a whole scenario you can see a video of that online which is pretty cool later in the day there was another panel that I absolutely wanted to see and it was the Clone Wars season 4 and they were going to have Dave Filoni who is the showrunner he's kind of the you know the second uh, guy in charge just uh, below George Lucas for this series and I really wanted to get into this because I'm a huge Clone Wars fan. I, it's just an incredible series, and I love it, and I wanted to get in. So I had my buddy Chris and I, and it, what's funny is he wanted to do the Star Wars Old Republic, which is the new MMO game, and actually that panel was right before the Clone Wars one. So we're like, great, let's get in line, and you know, I'll, I'll, sit, I'll hang out with you during the Clone Wars, or during... Uh, the Old Republic, which I wasn't totally against. I mean, it's Star Wars, and it was really cool. Um, and then he was going to hang out with me for the Clone Wars. But what happened is we got in line because it was a huge line. But we didn't realize the room was actually fairly large. So they started letting people in, and we were there already like three hours before. So we actually got into the panel before Chris's panel, the Star Wars Old Republic panel. And it was like Tekken versus something, Mortal Kombat. It was two games versus each other. And uh, the the creator was Japanese, and he spoke nothing but Japanese. And there was a translator. It was one of the very. It was probably the most bizarre panel I'd ever been at. There were girls in in half you know half clothed and had they had whips and they're I don't know. It was a very bizarre panel. I just kept looking, and people were just loving it, eating it up. And I was just looking at um, <laughs> I was looking at my friend Chris, like I have no idea what's going on. This makes sense to all of them, but I don't have a clue what's happening. But um, after that was the the Star Wars, the Old Republic, and that was a lot of fun. Um, if I if I had better internet connection, I probably would start up an MMO, um, just because they seem like they're very enjoyable. I know there's a Star Trek one that uh, Rico is playing now, but uh, this this Star Wars one looks incredible, and I probably would start it. Unfortunately, I can't because of my internet connection at the moment. But uh, that was a fun panel. And, of course, then the Clone Wars panel. And that was beyond epic. It was so much fun. They had probably like seven or eight clips from season four. I mean, the show just continues to blow my mind. The last half of season three was just mind-blowing. I mean, it had some of the best episodes. The best Star Wars. I mean, let alone cartoon or, or real life. Some of the best Star Wars. And it looks like it's going to continue with season four. And Dave Filoni, is, he's so awesome. And what's funny is that I had seen him on the floor earlier. And it, it was him and then Kyle Newman, who is the director of Fanboys. And, I, you know, of course I'm a fanboy. And I was kind of, I was with my friend Chris. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go up and talk to Dave. I'm going to go up and talk to Dave. 
but there was like people around him. I don't know if they're like kind of you know his bodyguards, you know friends who were just kind of kind of keep, keeping people away from him. But every time I tried to attempt to go talk to him, uh, someone would come up or he would turn and start talking to somebody, and I, I didn't want to interrupt him because I'm like I don't want to be one of those fans who kind of you know interrupts somebody. You know and he was on the floor just doing his thing, checking out the Star Wars booths. And so I didn't want to be that guy, so I kind of regretted that I never did, because then we lost him in the crowd, and I was kind of bummed that I never actually got to talk to him and take a picture with him. So when the Star Wars Clone Wars panel was over, and I'm not going to go into detail about the panels, because you can see it online, you can hear about it all online, and uh, lots of stuff was revealed, and it, it's there's going to be some epic stuff for Season 4, but definitely check check out the online and I'm sure you can find the information you can probably find even some of the video clips that were that were shown to us so definitely check that out but at the end of the panel I wanted to wait because a big surprise was Seth Green was there with uh, Team Unicorn and if you don't know who Team Unicorn is you need to check him out the um, it's made up of Michelle Boy who's part of the guild uh, Claire Grant is Seth Green's wife and then there's Mylin and uh, Rylea uh, the four girls, four geek girls, and I wanted to wait for them because they were all dressed up as the Night Sisters, and they were so awesome looking. But yeah, so Seth was with the Night Sisters, and they all went onto stage and hung out with Dave and did a few little jokes there and here and there. But at the end, I wanted to make sure I said hi to Michelle because I know I know three of the four girls on Team Unicorn, so I wanted to say hi. And they came out, saw me, gave me big hugs. I got pictures with them. It was really, really cool. And then Ray Wise, who who uh, a lot of people will know from, he was uh, Laura Palmer's father on Twin Peaks. Uh, he came up and wanted to get pictures with the Night Sisters or Team Unicorn. So he got pictures with them. And then Bonnie Burton showed up. And I love Bonnie. She is um, the uh, an editor on the StarWars.com. She does a lot of craft books. She's very well known within the Star Wars universe. But she, uh, I got a picture with her. I'd known her. I met her on the guild a few months prior to that, and we just hit it off. So I got to say hi to her. And then finally, Dave came out, and I was so excited. I was like, okay, this time I am not going to chicken out. I'm going to go up to him and introduce myself and tell him thank you for for making Star Wars. And and I did. I took my chance, and he was busy talking to people. And I waited for him to stop talking for a moment, and I introduced myself, and he heard me, but he was, like, finishing a, a comment with somebody, and so he finished his comment, and at first I was like, well, maybe he didn't hear me, or, you know, he's ignoring me, but then he turned around, gave me a big smile, and said, uh, thank you very much. He's like, yeah, he goes, my mind works a mile a minute, uh, I heard what you said, but I wanted to finish this piece, and... It was really, really cool. I got to meet him. I shook his hand, told him how much I appreciated his uh, work on The Clone Wars and how epic it had been. I loved Season 1. It got better in Season 2. And then Season 3 was incredible, and I can't wait for Season 4. And I was a typical fanboy just gushing all over him. And uh, he took it in stride, was very polite. And uh, we chatted a little bit about Star Wars, about The Clone Wars. And then I asked for a picture, and he was very happy to take a picture. So I got a picture with Dave Filoni, and that's probably one of my highlights of Comic-Con was, was meeting Dave Filoni. Because it was just pretty, it was pretty epic. Uh, it was like almost meeting George Lucas for me, just because Clone Wars has been pretty incredible. And uh, this is the man that did it all. And that pretty much made my Thursday. So yeah, so Thursday, and then um, we did a little bit more floor stuff, and then just kind of hung out with friends, went out to dinner and stuff like that. Uh, there was the Eureka Cafe, which is always epic, called uh, Cafe Diem. 
So that's always fun, and I love eating there. It's all the sci-fi genre movies. There's pictures all over the place, so I try to eat there as much as I can. So I think that's going to do it for part one. Uh, in part two, hopefully I'll be able to squeeze in uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Lots more happens, so stay tuned for part two. Thanks, Rico. And thank you, Kenny. Yeah, awesome time, it sounds like, there, uh, meeting Dave Filoni. Yeah, he, he, I've seen him talk in different little interviews and, and, and on TV and, and on the web and stuff. He seems like a really nice, down-to-earth kind of guy. And uh, I think, uh, you know, like uh, like you said and, and like you feel, I think the Clone Wars has, has just had a great season last season. It keeps getting better and better and more interesting. They are able to kind of push things a little bit more and, and bring in characters and, and, and stuff. And it looks like next season is going to be fantastic, too. So as I say always, Kenny, one of these years I'm going to get out there and join you at Comic-Con. I will do it. And uh, I really, uh, I, you know, it's slightly intimidating. <laughs> I've been to a lot of conventions, more more than I can remember and count, but uh, nothing on the scale of Comic-Con. And uh, I, I, I definitely think I would do like you, though, and I agree. I I, I wouldn't feel like waiting for hours and hours. I was listening to, for example, Star Wars Action News with Arnie and Marjorie last week, I think it was, or maybe the week before, whenever they put out their uh, podcast on their time at Comic-Con this year. And, you know, they spent so many hours and hours, and I know this is what they're into and what they do, but they spent so many hours and hours there waiting in lines for these exclusive collectibles and I know you've picked up a few things uh, over the years, but, you know, I just can't see flying all the way out to San Diego, going to this big convention with all these people and then just standing in a line for literally like, uh, you know, six, eight, whatever hours and then doing it again the next day and all kinds of stuff like that. I, I'm just not that's that's just not what I'm cut out to be anymore. And I would feel a little sad if that's what I had to do for um for seeing any of the panels, you know, if I couldn't just sort of stroll into it. I'm so used to, I I can't remember a convention that I've been to where I really had to wait in line to get into a, a discussion or a talk. And I've seen some big folks, like I've seen Shatner and Patrick Stewart, and I've seen, you know, basically uh, most people from all the different Star Trek uh uh, shows and movies and everything like that except for probably the newest movie by abrams and all with his uh cast and people but you know and i've never really had to wait i just you know they're gonna start the uh you know shatner talk at three o'clock maybe around maybe 15 minutes half hour at the most i don't even know if i go a half hour but i'll stroll on in and if there's anything else going on in there they usually let you in and then you can just sort of sit in, and when all the people from the one talk mill are around and out, I just move up. So <laughs> I, I, I've had it kind of good, I guess. And uh, but it's it, you know the Comic Con thing is just it, it's just become just just this monster almost, and it's kind of uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would I would want to go and have a good time and, and and be able to look back on it and enjoy it. So I hope that's uh, something I can do someday. We're gonna switch gears a little bit. I'm gonna just uh, slip out a few quick little stories from uh, the world of sci-fi and the internet i know it's been a couple of weeks i don't really have a lot to to offer or say anything uh, about uh and trek and otherwise i i guess 
it's been relatively quiet. There's a little bit of rumblings going on about the the movie, uh, the Trek movie, which is what I want to hit on the most, I guess. Uh, it, it definitely is not going to be coming out at, on June 29th, 2012. They're definitely going to be pushing it at least till the holidays of 2012, perhaps even for, uh, two years from now, 2013, uh, the summer of 2013. Uh, they've already filled in uh, the old Trek release date spot with G.I. Joe 2. You know, they did that G.I. Joe movie two years ago. I guess it was the same summer, I think, that uh, Star Trek came out. And now they're doing a sequel uh, with that. And that's going to take the that date, that the release date that they originally announced for Trek. So we'll see what happens. I still think it's going to be the holiday time of 2012 when, when we're going to get it. They seem to be really moving along now. They want to get this movie get things going, get it filmed, uh, get the script done would be good too. So, <laughs> And there's still also some rumors and rumblings about a, a new possible new uh, Star Trek animated series. Some of the guys writing and working on the movie, uh, the next sequel, or the sequel, and the uh, the first one, the first 2009 Abrams movie, uh, Orsi and, and Kurtzman, those two guys, Robert Roberto Orsi and Alex Kurtzman, uh, they uh, have this idea to do another Trek series, and I guess they're just in the early stages of figuring out who kind of owns the rights to that or whatever. Because there's a, you know, when you make an animated show, especially back in the 70s when the first Star Trek animated series was on the air, uh, the contracts and things, I don't know how it all works, but it, it can be a little different than just going to, like, say, CBS, which owns the, the TV Trek rights right now to, you know, saying, CBS, we'd like to do an animated series. Hey, how much, you know, to, to do that or, or let's let's work something out. So that is the other thing going on. Also, there's a lot of uh, stuff going on with streaming of Star Trek. You know, they started it streaming on Netflix in July. Also, Canada is getting it, and I think a few other places. And you can also see things on Amazon now, uh, streaming Trek. So all that is adding a more revenue to CBS. So who knows? Maybe some of that money for you know, getting uh, these different places to stream all the different Star Trek series will, you know, that money can go into a little coffee can over there at CBS and maybe we can get a new TV series at some point. But we'll see how that works out. Um, I think that covers most of the stories. Oh, one last thing here that I saw. Uh, Michael Dorn, of course, who played a Worf on TNG and Deep Space Nine and in some of the movies, he is getting a recurring role on Nathan Fillion's uh, detective cop uh, show, which is really good. Uh, the one he does now, he's done for three seasons, I think. Castle, that's on ABC uh, over here on Monday nights. Uh, Michael Dorn is getting a recurring role on that, I'm trying to look up real quickly here uh, what's what's going on about uh, or what what he's playing, what part. Let's see, uh, Dorn, he's playing a therapist. Oh, I see. It's uh, he's a therapist that works with Kate, uh, Detective Kate Beckett, who is on the show, is Castle's kind of partner on the show. You know, Castle's a writer, and he tags along with Detective Beckett on these crimes. Uh, uh, you know, mostly they just deal deal with murders and, and homicides. Um, but uh, it looks like uh, Michael Dorn is going to play her therapist because there are some things that have happened to her recently, and, and I think she's going to need some time on the couch, as they say. So he's going to be on that. Oh, I also wanted to say uh, about, uh, and I, here's another topic that just popped into my head. 
But other Star Trek uh, uh, cast people, uh, people like uh, Jerry Ryan was recently on Warehouse 13. Will Wheaton has been on Eureka along with Felicia Day this season. Uh, we've also got uh, Brent Spiner. Data is going to be making a guest appearance on the sci-fi show Alphas, which I'm watching. It's it's okay. It's nothing great so far to me, but it's okay. Uh, I am enjoying Falling Skies a lot. We've got the final uh, two-hour uh, finale of that for the season tonight uh, is airing here uh, in uh, at least the States and, and elsewhere. Who knows? <laughs> Check your local listings. But anyway, with all that, I think it is time for me to take a very short break, and I will come back and we will get into the Star Trek episode Obsession. And during this break, I am just going to play a preview trailer to this episode, a clip from Obsession showing you uh, what uh, we you have in store for you right now. So here we go with the preview to and the preview trailer for Obsession from Season 2 of TOS. Captain's Log, Stardate 3619.2. With the mysterious death of two crewmen, all personnel on the planet have been evacuated back to the ship. Rizzo, did you feel a presence, an intelligence? There's an intelligence about it, Bones. It must be destroyed. Fire photon torpedoes. coming, sir. The deflectors will not stop it, Captain. Contacts. All hatches remain secure, all lights on the board so green. Sir, we have a red light. Something's entered through the number two impulse vent. Sir, the creature's in my cabin. It's got Mr. Spock. Captain, look. It's going to be close. Very, very close. All right, there you go with the uh, preview to this episode called Obsession from Season 2 of TOS. Yeah, this is a, a very cool episode. It's definitely a, a Kirk-centered episode, but other characters get some uh, pretty cool uh, roles, including a, a, a pretty prominent guest star in this one, or, or a guest cast member, uh, uh, the young uh, Ensign Garavik. Uh, who uh, is the son of a former commander, a captain of uh, Lieutenant Kirk's when he was just a young uh, lieutenant aboard the Farragut. Uh, it comes out in this episode. But let me give you the overview a little bit first. Uh, this episode was uh, number 18 for season two, first aired on December 15th, 1967. The remastered version aired on April 12th, 2008. A few little stats for you there. Uh, also first aired uh, in the UK in 1970. This episode was written by a guy named Art Wallace, and I don't think I don't recognize that name as doing other episodes, but I could be wrong. Let me uh, let me check and double click uh, something here, or not double click, but just uh, a one time. Oh, it looks like he also worked and co-wrote the episode uh, Assignment Earth with Gene Roddenberry. And he's uh, he worked on the old 60s show, The Dark Shadows, or Dark Shadows. I don't think there was a the in there. So there's a little more on that. Uh, this one was directed by Ralph Sineski, and he definitely did multiple Trek episodes. Uh, the, the episode itself uh, 
is called Obsession, and it's a great name for the episode because in this episode, Kirk becomes obsessed with this gaseous cloud creature that he first encountered, like I said, back when he was aboard the Farragut as just a lieutenant and was was serving, you know, his time, uh, you know, working his way up the ranks, unlike in the J.J. Abrams movie where, you know, you kind of save, save Earth once and then they make you a captain. <laughs> it's all it takes, right? Eh, it's probably okay. But not to spin off into talking about that, but... Um, there, uh, this movie or this movie, this uh, episode uh, starts off when they're on this planet looking at uh, some ore that they're uh, interested in. And what is that stuff called again? Uh, there's a, uh, they're, da, 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 I can't remember. I'm trying to look it up. Uh, I was gonna say it's dicoronium, but no, that's that's the uh, uh, tritanium. That's what it's called. They're on this planet called Argus uh, Ten, and it's uh, tritanium, which is just some. Really hugely hard mineral, uh, so many more times hard than diamond, and, and they're there to survey this world for use. Uh, you know, to have some little mining ships come from the Federation and, and grab some of this tritanium and uh, use it for ship hulls or whatever it gets used for, tricorders, phasers, who knows? But that's not really the important thing. What is important is they discover uh, when they're on this planet, this. Uh, seems to be the home to this uh, gas cloud creature that, like I said, Kirk encountered, like, I think it's supposed to be about 10, 11 years back. And, uh, well, let me play a clip from early in the show when Kirk recognizes the odor of this creature, which is kind of an, an interesting thing that I thought about this episode when I, you know, first saw it and see, see it over the years, that this episode has a, or this uh, episode, this creature has a very particular scent kind of like well it doesn't smell like a skunk but i was going to say anytime anyone ever smells a skunk they know exactly what you know there's a skunk around well this creature has this sort of sweet uh, sickly sweet kind of smell that kirk recognizes and you'll hear that uh, him talk about that in this clip Do you smell that a sweet odor like honey it was years ago on another planet a thing with a an odor like that. We're in the growing season in this hemisphere of this planet, Captain. There are doubtless many pollen aromas. Rito. Yes, sir. Take your men. Make a swing around our perimeter. Scan for dicoronium in the atmosphere. Set your phasers on disruptor B. If you see any gaseous cloud, fire immediately. You're on red alert. Make a swing. Scotty, we're checking something out. The USS Yorktown is expecting to rendezvous with us in less than eight hours, Captain. It doesn't give us much time. Acknowledged. Continue standing by, Kirk. Captain, dicoronium exists only in laboratory experiments. Yeah, so there are some definitely you get some uh, red shirt deaths in this episode. <laughs> definitely have that happening a, a couple of times, and uh, one of them is kind of interesting. You you get this uh, red shirt guy who's uh, Lieutenant Paskey. I think that's in the next or later group uh, that dies in this episode. But um, 
sorry, Lieutenant Leslie. He's played by a guy named Eddie Paskey, and the interesting thing about him, a couple things about that is, is one, he was uh, he was Kirk's or William Shatner's stunt double in, throughout the series, and you see him in little bit parts throughout the show. But the thing is, he dies in this episode, and in episodes subsequent to this, you see him uh, alive and well aboard the Enterprise. So there's a little bit of sort of inconsistency and trivia for you. There's sort of a—I th- I think it's a joke, but I don't think it's really real. But there's uh, something that uh, Paskey has said over the years that uh, that there was some uh, cut scene for, from this episode where he gets this miracle cure potion— from Dr. McCoy, and it revives him, and, he, and that's why you get to see him in later episodes. But I, I think that was just a story that was made up. I don't know if there's a deleted scene. You know, that's one of the things that we've we've never really gotten a lot, except in some bloopers and some rare stills online, but you don't get a lot of rare deleted scenes. There's a little bit in some of the Blu-ray uh, stuff. You can see some background of footage and things. But there's not a lot. It's not like there's, you know, at the time, you got to keep in mind deleted scenes for TV and movies, especially probably even more so for TV. But things, things, you know, extra footage was never kept around really in any particular way uh, or at all for back in the day. But now, of course, it comes out, you know, with releases on DVD and Blu-ray all the time. So movies and TV shows kind of hang on to some of that stuff for inclusion on that though you know get people to buy it you know who may have already seen the tv show or movie and here's an added incentive here we're going to give you some deleted scenes george lucas of course is a master at that (laughs) we're going to get the blu-rays uh in only about another month or so in september and we will be getting some fairly rare and unseen footage from each uh you know each of the movies that have been out for years uh, and we're going to get some stuff we've not seen. So that'll be kind of, it's cool. And uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, but uh, not much from original Trek around. But anyway, what you've got going on now aboard the uh, the Enterprise, Kirk becomes obsessed with uh, determining what's this creature's all about, if it's the same creature he encountered 11 years ago when he was aboard the Farragut. And uh, both Spock and McCoy start to wonder about him throughout this episode, which is, I, I like that because he, this is kind of a bit of a Moby Dick ty- kind of tale a little bit. You've got Ahab sort of as Kirk sort of out there hunting this thing, uh, you know, w- you know, with, with little regard for really for his crew that much or for his mission. They're supposed to, there's a, a constant reminder in this episode of them. Uh, aboard the Enterprise, they have to rendezvous with the USS Yorktown in order to deliver some medical supplies, transfer them from uh, or the Yorktown to the Enterprise and get them to this planet that need them and needs these supplies. And, and Kirk kind of ignores that. You know, not the first time Kirk has ignored orders uh, when he has his own agenda in mind. And he's uh, the, the key here is, is that he's blamed himself for years for hesitating and failing to fire on this creature uh, years ago, even though it, it's pretty obvious, uh, even in this episode, pretty quickly, that that phasers, no matter how you set, them, you know, whatever you set them to, phasers to disruptor settings that they sort of mentioned for the first time in this, these hand phasers that can be set to a disruptor mode, uh, that uh, that these things, that it has any effect on this gaseous creature, that, you know, shooting phasers doesn't matter how fast, how quick in the draw you are, it doesn't hurt it. So they eventually come up with another way of destroying it, which we'll get to here in a few moments. But uh, that uh, obsession of Kirk's from years ago drives him through this episode of ignoring everything else. And it is uh, an important piece to it. And uh, lo and behold, uh, another little connection that we learn about in this episode is that 
this former captain of Kirk's who died when this gas creature first attacked the Farragut 11 years ago, his son now, Ensign Garavik, is aboard the Enterprise. And in this next clip, you uh, hear about uh, Garavik meeting Kirk for the first time aboard the bridge of uh, the Enterprise. Ensign Garavik reporting, sir. Are you the new security officer? Yes, sir. Was your father? Uh, yes, sir, he was, but I don't expect any special treatment on that account. You'll get none aboard this ship, mister. Yes, sir. Captain, I have a report on Ensign Rizzo. He's dead, sir. You knew Rizzo? Yes, sir, we were good friends. Graduated the academy together. You'll get a crack at what killed him. Interested? Yes, I am, sir. I want four men armed with phaser two set for disruptor effect. Join me in the transporter room in five minutes. You'll accompany me to the planet's surface. Yes, sir. Yeah, so, you know, there, there's definitely parallels and similarities in this episode between Garavik, the young Ensign Garavik, and how Kirk feels about himself when he was a young lieutenant aboard the Farragut. It, things sort of uh, pattern themselves. Garavik, at one point, Ensign Garavik uh, hesitates to fire when they go down to the planet again, and uh, Kirk loses some more crew. I think that's when they actually lose Lieutenant Leslie, uh, and uh, it's, uh, you know, it affects Garavik. Kirk takes him off duty for a little while. And again, there's a, a lot of parallels there between. And it's nice how they tie that all together. A little coincidental in a way that, you know, just so happens when they run into this creature in all of Starfleet that the son of this captain of Kirk when he was a lieutenant happens to be aboard the Enterprise. But, it, you know, it makes it kind of fun and kind of personal and interesting to watch. Uh, another uh, little thing that's going on, like I said earlier, a little bit is that uh, both Spock and McCoy start to be a little concerned about Kirk and his obsessive behavior in this episode, so much so that uh, Spock uh, goes in to see Dr. McCoy and asks for a little advice, which is the next clip that I'm going to play here. I hope I'm not disturbing you, Doctor. Interrupting another autopsy report is no disturbance, Mr. Spock. It's a relief. I need your advice. Then I need a drink. I do not understand your reasoning. You need advice from me? You must be kidding. I do not joke, Doctor. Perhaps I should rephrase my statement. I require an opinion. There are many aspects of human irrationality I do not yet comprehend. Obsession, for one. The persistent, single-minded fixation on one idea. Jim and his creature. Precisely. Have you studied the incident involving the USS Farragut? No, with all these deaths and injuries, I've only had a chance to scan the tapes. There are eight or ten hours of record tapes there. Fortunately, I read somewhat faster. In brief, Doctor, nearly half the crew and the captain were annihilated. The captain's name was Garavik. Same as our answer. His father. Among the survivors was a young officer on his first deep space assignment, James T. Kirk. And there is still more. I suggest you study this. 
Yeah, I always like it when when Spock and McCoy have some scenes, just the two of them together. There's such a great interplay between, uh, you know, Leonard Nimoy and DeForest Kelly as, as Spock and Kirk. Spock and Kirk, Spock and McCoy. What the heck? What am I talking about here? All right, but between, you know, Spock and McCoy and, and, and just the, you know, even though, you know, one of the things that I've always loved about original Trek is that Spock being, you know, this supposedly you know suppressing his emotions this stoic vulcan he cares about dr mccoy and he values his insights and opinions a great deal a lot more than he'd ever let on and uh, and this episode shows that a little bit they're both concerned they're both friends of kirk's and they're worried about him they're worried about him as a friend they're worried about him as as captain of the enterprise and and that leads them to uh to go eventually talk to kirk and that leads to the next clip where mccoy first goes into uh to talk to uh, Captain Kirk about the situation and about some things about his past and, and stuff Kirk doesn't really want to hear and listen uh, or listen to. I think this clip's a little longer, uh, maybe a couple, two, three minutes long. But anyway, this is uh, first Kirk and McCoy, and then eventually Spock joins in, joins them, and they discuss uh, the situation, and they're concerned for the captain. I was speaking of Lieutenant James D. Kirk of the Starship Farragut. Eleven years ago, you were the young officer at a phaser station when something attacked. According to the tapes, this young Lieutenant Kirk insisted upon blaming himself. Because I delayed in firing. You had a normal emotion. You were startled. You delayed firing for a grand total of perhaps two seconds. If I hadn't delayed, it would have been killed. Well, the ship's exec didn't seem to think so. His log entry was quite clear on the subject. Lieutenant Kirk is a fine young officer who performed with uncommon bravery. Don't you understand? It killed 200 crewmen. Captain Garovic was very important to you, wasn't he, Jim? Yes. He's my commanding officer from the day I left the academy. One of the finest men I ever knew. that thing if I had fired soon enough the first time. You don't know that, Jim. You don't know that any more than you know that Garovic could have destroyed it. I can't help how I feel. There's an intelligence about it, Bones. The malevolence, it's evil. It must be destroyed. Don't be so obsessed. Obsessed? That you could destroy yourself, uh, your career. A young boy who reminds you of yourself 11 years ago. Don't push our friendship past the point where I have to take I'm a fish. Not, Jim. This is professional, Captain. I am preparing a medical log entry on my estimation of the physical and emotional condition of a starship captain. requires a witness of command grade. Do I take it, Doctor? Commander? That both of you, or either of you, consider me unfit or incapacitated Correctly phrased, Captain, as recommended in the manual. 
Our reply, also as recommended, is, Sir, we have noted in your recent behavior certain items which on the surface seem unusual. We respectfully ask permission to inquire further and... Blasted, forget the manual. Ask your questions. Sir, the USS Yorktown is waiting now at the rendezvous point. It carries perishable forget drugs. Forget the recitation, Spock, and all the facts. They need those factions on Theta 7, Captain. Now, why are we delaying here? Because I'm convinced that this is the same creature that attacked the Farragut 11 years ago. So both, uh, you know, both uh, Spock and McCoy, uh, Kirk's best friends, are concerned for him. But what's a little different about this versus, say, uh, Commodore Decker in, uh, like, the Doomsday Machine, who was obsessed with that uh, destroying the Doomsday Machine, is Kirk has definitely facts to back up his not real, you know, it's an obsession, but he is not to the point of, like, Decker was, where he was going to basically, you know, blow up or destroy the Enterprise along with taking out the creature, which he realized, he should have realized wouldn't do it anyway. Uh, Kirk here wants to destroy this creature, but he wants to do it and still <laughs> mostly save his his crew, his life, his, his ship, his career and everything like that. He's, yeah, he's ignoring some orders, but he he still has his faculties and he's not completely nutso yet. So uh, I think that appeases uh, both uh, Spock and McCoy and they realize and eventually form a plan but before that happens, this creature uh, slips into the Enterprise uh, through an impulse vent, I think it was, in the engines, and uh, makes its way to appropriately or, or coincidentally or surprisingly to Ensign Garavik's quarters, who's been he's been confined there, and Spock is uh, is in there, sort of consoling the ensign and trying to play psychiatrist when this creature appears and, and tries to uh, suck some more. Oh, I haven't really mentioned that. The What this creature does, if for those that aren't familiar with this or don't remember this episode or haven't seen it in a while or whatever, uh, this creature basically will, will sluck, sluck, <laughs> will, will absorb the sort of the the iron or the the red corpuscles in your blood and basically kill you in that fashion you know we you know you've got red blood cells white blood cells and and it pulls out all the red ones and the iron from them and uh spock in this clip i'm going to play for you uh he has sort of attempted to he's pushed garavik out of his quarters and tried to stop the the creature from getting into garavik's through like this vent and you see spock putting his hands against this vent which is kind of silly and useless it's a cloud of gas and you know you, there's no way you're going to block that vent with your hands but he's sort of doing a, a sort of an early sacrifice like he does in star trek 2 where he thinks he can stop the creature and save garavik and I think that, that Spock has sort of concluded that perhaps because of his different blood chemistry that the, the creature won't really hurt him or hurt him too badly. So maybe he realizes that he can save Garavik and not die too, which would be kind of, why didn't they both just run out of the cabin? But anyway, here's a clip uh, towards the end of that little scene. Security, hold it. Tricorder. Jim, Spock may be dying. If we let that thing into the ship, it'll have a lot of company. I must have, I must have jammed the vent control when I hit it. See if the reverse pressure has pulled it back into the ventilation system. You saved my life, Captain. I should be lying dead in there, not him. Fortunately, neither of us is dead, Ensign. The reverse pressure worked. The vent is closed. Don't misunderstand my next question. Mr. Spock, why aren't you dead? It's that green blood of his. My hemoglobin is based on copper, not iron. 
I'll bet he left a bad taste in the creature's mouth, too. Colloquially expressed, but essentially correct. Yes. The scent is different. I think I understand something now. Do you believe you're in communication with the creature, Captain? I don't know what it is, Mr. Spock. But you remember, I said the thing was alive. It may not be communications, we understand it. But I did know it was alive and intelligent. And I think I know something else now. Yeah, so another one of those Vulcan things that saves Spock uh, in the in you know in the nick of time or in the you know back in the day, Spock is not uh, you know affected by the creature, which makes him you know just you know the obvious choice for the final uh, little showdown. But of course, Kirk wants to do it and kind of invites Garavik along too. It's going to take two people. What they what they come up with is. Uh, they, they are able to realize or they put together that uh, a small uh, charge of antimatter, which, of course, is a, a hugely powerful and strong explosive. They use it to, you know, antimatter powers the warp engines and is just, you know, some pretty nasty big stuff. There's actually a tiny bit in photon torpedoes. That's how they uh, operate for, for the the real Trekkie techno geeks out there. If I, if I ever mentioned that, I don't know if I ever mentioned that one, but yeah, there's supposed to be a small little magnetic container of antimatter, a tiny, tiny, small amount in a photon torpedo. And that is how that uh, operates and how it, you know, is um, shot out there when it's shot at a ship or an enemy. And that's how that works. Although, you know, why don't they just put bigger chunks in there? They'd have some pretty powerful photon torpedoes if they did that. Perhaps it's limited, you know, it's hard to maintain or, or create. So, But what they determine is, is they, can, they can pull out a small, small amount of antimatter, which is this um, massive explosive uh, bomb that they create. They take it down to the planet, and, and they basically lure the creature there with a little uh, blood sample, uh, hemoglobin, and they put it there, and Kirk and Garavik beam down to, to lure the creature towards both this uh, bait that they put out and, and the bomb itself. And, of course, in order to get the, the creature in position, even though this explosion is pretty darn massive, enough to, uh, to have shockwaves, uh, you know, flow out from it, uh, rip away some of the atmosphere of this, this uninhabited planet, uh, shake the Enterprise in orbit, this thing that's so powerful, they need to wait till the creature's pretty much right on top of it, on top of the bomb before they set it off. I mean, when the the creature's like 20, 30 feet away from them, you don't really think that 20, 30 feet would make much of a difference when a bomb like that goes off. But of course, it's much more dramatic in this way. So uh, the clip I'm going to play for you next, this is kind of the whole ending part of the episode when Kirk and Garavik are down there and kind of luring the uh, the creature in. And it kind of reminds me a lot of that last scene in the Doomsday Machine when Kirk is taking uh, the Constellation into the Doomsday Machine and waiting till the very last second to be beamed out uh, before uh, setting off, you know, before the, the Constellation uh, overloads its engines and destroys the Doomsday Machine. So if sort of a similar thing happens here. Kirk Garavik have to wait till the very last second before they can get beamed out. So the creature's right there on top of the bomb before they set it off. So anyway, here you go with the end of uh, this episode uh, called Obsession. No time for heroics. I have no intention of sacrificing myself. At least not yet. Spock. 
Spock. Spock here. Scan us. And lock onto us. It's going to be close. Very, very close. Stand by. Stand by, Enterprise. Smell it, Captain. Sickly. Honey, sweet. Stand by, Enterprise. Now, energize and detonate. cross-circuiting to be that recovered them. Well, then, thank pitchforks and pointed ears. As long as it worked, Jim. That's a fair statement, Bones. Now that the creature is dead, let's save some lives. We'll deliver your medicine. Bridge, this is Kirk. Uhura here. Have Mr. Chekhov lay in a course for rendezvous with the Yorktown. Maximum warp. Aye, sir. Oh, Ensign, meet me in my quarters when you've cleaned up. I'd like to talk to you about your father. Several tall stories I think you'd like to hear. Thank you, sir. I would. Well, that's it. There's uh, the episode Obsession. I tried to... Uh, Streamline this uh, look at this episode a little bit quicker, a little bit uh, more succinctly this week, and partly because we had a lot of clips to play. Still have a couple to play as well uh, for you. And, uh, you know, with TOF's episodes, which I'm probably, you know, the most familiar with, it's, it's, it's a little easier in a way for me to do it. Uh, even though I did really want to play this whole episode because I think there's some great character moments and, and awesome parts in it. But, of course, you can see this streaming uh, online in various ways. Netflix, of course, Amazon, and other things. Uh, so it's, it's pretty available. If you guys haven't seen Obsession in a while, definitely check that out. Uh, what, what I wanted to say, too, is next weekend... For those on the forum or if you're just a, a friend of the show and want to try this out, uh, we are going to be doing in a few weeks uh, a viewer party. We're going to attempt it 
uh, that is going to be recorded for the podcast. We're going to do a TNG episode to look at one. But what I wanted to mention here is next uh, next week, probably either Friday or Saturday night next weekend, uh, we are going to do sort of a test run of this. And I've got some cabling and hookups for the Xbox in order to export and, and get the audio over and record it and basically play an episode uh, from Trek and, and we can talk and chat during the episode, and hopefully all that will get recorded. And I think it would be a fun, a different thing to try uh, to cover an episode and, and just have a good time. So we're going to do that next weekend, sometime, like I said, Friday or Saturday night, in, in you know evening, 8-ish, Eastern time or so. So keep an eye on the forum if you're a member there, or, or if you're interested, send me uh, an email, treksf at gmail.com, with your uh, gamer tag or whatever it's called, an Xbox, and I can add you. I'm not sure what the limit is for. I'll have to look into that. What, how many v- people you can have on a, a viewing party like that uh, at the same time? But uh, I'm not quite sure. Maybe half a dozen or so, perhaps. But that's coming up uh, shortly here on Treks in Sci-Fi. But first, here is a clip from a Mark uh, and his comments on the TOS episode Obsession. Take it away. Hey, Rico. This is Mark Daniels from the Great Pacific Northwest otherwise known as M5 on the Treks and Sci-Fi board. I just wanted to send you my comments on this week's subject matter, Obsession, the second season episode of Star Trek. It's a great episode. You can't get any better than this. You've got Captain Kirk obsessed with killing the vampire cloud that killed his first captain and killed half of the crew of the Farragut. Great episode. Then you need to throw in his captain's son, and then throw in a little twist of perishable medical supplies that need to be somewhere right now. Great episode. My my favorite scene is when Dr. McCoy confronts Captain Kirk in his quarters and they're talking about filing a report against the captain and then Mr. Spock is outside listening and then comes through the door. Man, that's drama at its best. Um, I've been watching the remastered editions and I love the uh, exterior shots of the Enterprise and the way that the cloud looks now and at the end of the episodes you see the planet where you could see the blast radius on the planet as a ship moves away. Awesome. But there's a couple things I wanted to point out that I've always got kind of a kick out of. Is it just me? Or does Garavik kind of look like Will Riker? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. And also, our favorite lieutenant, Leslie, who gets killed by the vampire cloud, and miraculously, who's alive and kicking, walking around on the Enterprise after he's dead. Hmm. Always made me wonder. Um, I just wanted to say thank you, Rico, for covering this episode. And I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Great comments, Mark. Thanks so much for sending those in. Always uh, good to hear uh, a, a little lesser uh, heard, or <laughs> I should say, a little uh, not-so-often-heard voice. I hope you send in some more comments. Yeah, it was a great episode. And yeah, Garavik does look like a, a young Will Riker. Definitely, I, I see the similarity there. So thanks again so much for your comments. I, I really appreciate it. And next up, we have music maestro Rick Moyer with another parody song from his Star Trek parody site, I got to get that exact URL for you uh, sometime later in today's show. I can never remember if it's parodies or parody. Anyway, uh, here is uh, Rick with some comments about Obsession and a new song. All right. Thanks, Rick. Take it away. Hey, Rico. This is Rick Moyer, Moyer777 from the forums, the co host of Taken With You podcast. And I do all sorts of other things. But uh, 
I'm just really thrilled that you are doing a review of the original episode, the original series, Star Trek Obsession. Who doesn't like this one? It's just really cool because, well, I don't know. I have kind of, uh, I don't know, just a, a, a weak spot for smoke machines. And that's, of course, the special effects. And then they used this uh, kind of weird special effect that they had used in another episode at one point. And they did this really cool thing uh, by by making this smoke monster that sucked all the corpuscles out of the red blood cells. And it was just really kind of cool. And uh, I liked it. And it was kind of cool also to see Kirk get so obsessed with everything and then uh, to uh, find out that he had been involved in a situation where a bunch of people had died from this monster. And he was just going to he was going to get it and stop this monster from hurting anybody else. A lot of pressure on Kirk in this episode. and uh, But in the end, of course, Kirk comes through. So I had to write a song. You know, I, I always have to write a song to express my feelings about the episode. So instead of the classic Deep Purple Smoke on the Water song, I decided to change it into, are you ready for this? Smoke on the Planet. So here you go. This is my telling of the tale. I hope everybody enjoys it, and I'll see you next week on Tracks and Sci-Fi. Thanks, Rico, for everything you do. Here you go. Smoke on the planet. There it is. Pure Tritanium. Fantastic. 20 times as hard as a diamond. 21.4 times as hard to be exact. That's right. Scotty, you can mark this vein as confirmed. The USS Yorktown is expecting a rendezvous with us in less than seven hours. Then you'll inform them that we might be a little late. Jim, Yorktown ship surgeon will want to know how late. The vaccines he's transferred to us are highly perishable. Log again, Jim. Those medical supplies are badly needed on planet Beta 7. They are expecting us to get them there on time. Gentlemen, we are remaining in orbit until I find out more about those deaths on my responsibility. I'm perfectly aware that it might cost lives on the fate of seven Kirk. On 3619.2, a survey on August 5. The planet rich in titanium, a substance harder than diamonds. The captain smells the sweetness and orders the ensigns around. He says fire on the cloud red shirts, but then he finds them on the ground. Smoke on the planet, a monster in disguise. Smoke on the planet. Well, I wouldn't much on what he says in that half kind of state he could be dreaming saying what he thought he wanted it's a big white cloud well what's with the captain i've never seen him like that before it sucked out the core fossils left the empty's dead set result the captain says it's familiar that the doctor's church records of the farragut Whistle dies and Carol Vick, his best buddy wants revenge. So they all be down in the surf and the cloud attacks them again. Smoke on the planet, a monster in 
Creature is dead. Let's save some lives. We'll deliver your medicine. Bridge, this is Kirk. Well, where are you? Have Mr. Chekhov laying a course for rendezvous with the Yorktown. Maximum walk. Aye, sir. <laughs> That's another awesome one. Smoke on the planet. I love it. I love it. Uh, it's just uh, it's so perfect for this one. And uh, thanks so much, Rick. I, I know you're a busy guy these days, got lots of gigs, and I'm, I'm so happy that everything's moving along well for you. And thanks so much for taking some time and, and sending in some comments and a new a new tune for for your uh, site, too, over at uh, is it Star Trek Parody or Parodies. I'll look it up real quick uh, while I take a break here. Uh, in, while I'm taking a break, you're going to get a collectible review from Brian and talking about his new little toy from uh, a show of the past uh, from the 70s. So listen to this. Brian, uh, always great to hear from you. And uh, take it away and tell us about your new uh, toy, collectible, prop, fun thing that I'm jealous of. <laughs> take it away, Brian. Greetings, my man Rico. And my Treks in Sci-Fi family, it's Brian, and I am back with yet another collectible review. trying to improve the production quality of my uh, contributions to the show because you all make me look so bad. Uh, and, you know, I gotta say, Jerry Goldsmith, really great music. I mean, he, he's, you know, John Williams gets all the props, but I gotta tell you something, Jerry Goldsmith has written some great scores over the years, and that is one of my favorites. And uh, the reason I'm playing that is has something to do with the prop review that I'm going to be providing for you guys today. Um, so, uh, Again, that is obviously the theme song to the original Battlestar Galactica, 
which aired back in 1979 and was really a, a favorite of mine, um, premiering uh, two years after Star Wars and about a year before Empire Strikes Back came out. And I got to tell you, as a kid, I was hungry for new science fiction adventure, and Battlestar Galactica was just... It was a great show. It, it, it doesn't age particularly well, but at the time, that was the bomb. I loved that show. I dressed up as Starbuck for a number of Halloweens. Um, I had a one of the Colonial Warrior jackets I bought out of the back of Starlog magazine, and I made a whole costume with like khaki pants, and I made one of the Colonial Warrior shirts out of a out of a kind of a mock turtleneck, and my mom put the braids on it on the collar. I had the boots, and I made a, uh, a gun belt that looked, actually looked a lot like the ones they had in the show, which were based on, I think, a military webbing belt. Um, but there's one thing in that uh, in Battlestar Galactica that I loved, and that was the Colonial Warriors blaster. There never was anything that even came close to replicating it in stories at the time. There was a plastic uh, um, brand and knockoff that said Battlestar Galactica blaster on it, but all it really was was a plastic ray gun that had the logo on it. It looked nothing like the one from the show. Um, I even went so far as to write a couple of fan letters to Dirk Benedict asking him if he could send me one. That's how badly I wanted one of these things. At the end of the day, for my costume, what I ended up doing was actually taking a, a Luger, a German Luger cap gun. It was metal. It was a really nice little cap gun, actually. And it was pretty big. And uh, the handle of that, of that gun in the back part kind of look, looked like the one from the show. So I, I got some uh, cardboard and some black duct tape, electrical tape, rather, and uh, kind of redid the front of it so it looked more like the Colonial Blaster. Um, and that's what I used for my costume. Um, so anyway, that's always been a, a real favorite of mine growing up. In fact, when I think about it at the time, besides Luke's lightsaber from the original Star Wars, the Battlestar Galactica Blaster was probably one of the, the most iconic and favorite uh, weapon replicas that I've always wanted to have. And I actually did, once again, like I've said a few times in these Collectible Review podcasts, I did have one uh, back in early 2000, a resin one that I, I bought from Monsters in Motion, and I, I built it up and painted it. It was nice, um, but it wasn't, didn't have any functionality, and uh, I eventually got rid of that. Um, and uh, So now that I'm sort of recreating my, uh, my favorites from, from the past, uh, I needed to get one of these. Uh, recently, I met uh, a gentleman named Richard Coyle, and Richard is a local guy here in Phoenix who's also a very, very well-known uh, replica prop maker. I made mention of him in my Blade Runner Blaster review as one of the people that really has made some props that are uh, considered to be the best um, out there and best available in terms of accuracy. Well, he has done a number of these Battlestar Galactica guns over the years. He does a run of them and then doesn't do them for a number of years. They are cast off of a original stunt uh, gun from the show. Um, and uh, this particular blaster, for those of you who are familiar with it and might remember what it looks like from the show, and I, I put some photographs up on the forum, it's entirely a found piece. It's not, it's not based on any real-world weapons, like uh, all, of the, all the blasters in Star Wars are actually based on actual real-world real guns. This one is completely uh, made up of uh, resin, and it was uh, with little bits from model kits placed all around it. Uh, the barrel has a flash in it, and the flash was used to signify when to put the sound effects of, uh, of the blaster firing in the show. 
there was, you know, the Colonial Warrior Blasters didn't shoot beams. There was no visual uh, discharge from the barrel, so all it would do was flash. Um, and what's really great about this replica is that it has the strobe light um, in the barrel at the end, just like on the show, and Richard includes a soundboard to make the sound of, the, which is the sound of the blaster from the show as, as well. You can listen to it right now. Here we go. So it's a great gun. I mean, it's really a lot of fun. It's substantial. It's pretty big. It's pretty heavy. It is all resin. Um, and like I said, it has this uh, strobe flash in the end and the soundboard, which makes it even uh, more cool. And uh, I came in the house and I was firing it at the dogs and they were barking. They didn't like it very much. So uh, anyway, it's a, it's a very, very cool item um, of a very different kind of, uh, of prop replica, and uh, I'm really excited to have it. Um, Richard is doing a run of these. I think he's done about six or seven. He has one on eBay right now. Um, if anyone is interested, uh, please let me know. I'd be happy to forward your information to him. And, um, and that's it. So that's just uh, my latest acquisition of a really cool and iconic prop from my childhood and uh, having a lot of fun here. And uh, Chip, come here. They don't like that. <laughs> anyway, guys, hope you're all well, and I will talk to you later. May the force be with you. Bye-bye. Oh, that's awesome, Brian. I Again, like I said, I'm so jealous of the, you getting one of those original uh, blasters uh, from uh, the original Battlestar. I was going to say Blaster Star Galactica. Battlestar Galactica, yes. Uh, when Starbuck was a guy, and I didn't uh, like or was interested in it quite as much as, as when Katie Sackhoff played Starbuck. Although I like Starbuck, uh, uh, played by Dirk Benedict, too. Fun, fun show, and a uh, little, little dated looking, but but that's a, uh, an awesome, like you said, an awesome prop. And, and thanks so much for sharing some of your, you know, uh, some of the past and, and, and how you got interested in this stuff. I have to try to do that a, few, a little bit more, too, with, you know, there's so many things that I've talked about in collectibles over the years. And I think I've shared a little bit of the history of some of the stuff. But yeah, I I, I, I kind of miss those days of, of trying to find different ways of building stuff and when I couldn't just kind of go out and buy it. But that's a great prop, Brian. Congrats. Uh, and uh, keep all that stuff hidden from Jamie, okay? <laughs> you're, you're definitely adding to your collection uh, greatly in the last few weeks or, or month or so. Okay, that's going to do it for this week's uh, Treks in Sci-Fi. A couple things on uh, that I wanted to mention, though. Thanks, uh, first off, to everyone that contributed to this week's show. If you'd like to contribute, just send me an email with a comment about uh, what the episode is that we're talking about or, the, or a movie you've seen recently, a book you've read, whatever uh, you want to talk about, a prop that you've gotten. Uh, send those in to treksf at gmail.com. I'd love some new reviews over at iTunes. I was just actually looking at those yesterday as I was updating and putting on iTunes on the the new hard drive here. Uh, some great reviews up there. I really appreciate those. And, and the more reviews, usually the more the, the podcast gets noticed, and, and that's all good. So if, you de- if you've never put an iTunes review up, please go over and do that. There's links to get to directly to the podcast uh, in iTunes, right on the main treksinsci-fi.com page. Just go there, and I think look under podcast, and I think there's a direct link to both the podcast feed and to the iTunes link, you know, uh, location and all that stuff. So pretty quick and easy to get to it that way. No searching involved. Uh, let's give you an idea. Darmok mentioned this a little bit, but what's coming up on Treks and Sci-Fi? Uh, next weekend, on the weekend of the 14th of August, uh, next Sunday, 
I will be looking at the episode of Forbidden Planet, uh, that classic 50s show or 50s movie that kind of had a lot of uh, inspiration to what we ended up seeing in Star Trek. I, it's, it's a big, big favorite of mine. And I've, I've talked about it in different times, in different shows, but I've never dedicated a podcast wholly to uh, Forbidden Planet. So that's next week on the show. In two weeks, we're going to try to attempt to do that streaming Trek idea, uh, stream an episode via Netflix, via the Xbox. You'll need both streaming Netflix and an Xbox in order to join in on this. I hope we can get some people to do that, and it's going to be a TNG episode. We're going to kind of take a vote on that soon, which one. I've got some suggestions in, but we're going to pick a TNG episode to do that for the viewing party in a couple of weeks. Then on the weekend of August 28th, I'm going to look at the movie uh, The Last Starfighter, which is another favorite, uh, a big favorite of mine that I've talked about a few times, and I'm going to cover that in an episode. And then on the weekend of September 4th, which I believe is Labor Day weekend here in the States, I am going to have a live uh, streaming uh, anniversary show for the sixth anniversary of treks in sci-fi i'm going to try to get a new more high def webcam before then too so hopefully it'll look even better uh, when i've i still got this one it's only like a i was looking at it yesterday it's only like a 1.3 megapixel webcam you can get all these hd webcams now for like 50 bucks so maybe i'll try to get out to and, and get a newer webcam before we have the sixth anniversary show of the podcast so that's it everyone uh, just have a great week stay safe stay cool uh, if it's really warm where you're at, it's probably warm in most places these days. And uh, just take care of yourselves. Uh, I will talk to you again next weekend uh, with Forbidden Planet. Until then, uh, just, hey, stay cool. Oh, and did I forget to mention uh, Rick Moyer's excellent Star Trek parody site is over at Star Trek Parodies, P-A-R-O-D-I-E-S. Star Trek, I think you can spell those parodies all one word.com make sure to check that out this has been treks and sci-fi podcast 343 bye bye you've been listening to for more information visit treksandsci-fi.com write to rico today at treksf at gmail.com that's treksf at gmail.com set a course for earth Maximum wall. Copyright 2011. All rights reserved. I'm Captain Kirk. Tricks in sci-fi. That is before you sprain something. Your weekly dose of kinky goodness. And entertainment news. This mission would have failed without your help. I won't be speaking. The only podcast where no one has podcasted before. Captain Cardassians yet. Not with, we're not done with the Cardassians yet. Not with the strategic importance of that world. Thanks for joining us for Treks in This has been a Rico Dusty podcast production.